This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we're going to be talking about Social Security must-knows. Now, one of the things that has been happening lately is that people have been asking us, what should I be doing differently now that we have this pandemic? And while there are certainly things that you might be thinking about doing differently, there's a lot of things that haven't changed. And the Social Security system is one of the things that definitely has not changed. Now, the Social Security system has some certain specific things that you really are going to want to know so you can help yourself make the best decision and try to find a way to optimize your benefits on there. And one of the very first basics that you have to understand is what is your full retirement age? Because the Social Security system really triggers off of this full retirement age as a major piece of its determining what your benefits are. Now, Normally, your full retirement age is going to be anywhere between 66 and 67, and the determinant of when during that time period your full retirement age is, is according to your birthday. So if you were born between 1943 and 1954, your full retirement age is 66, right when you turn 66. But if you were born in 1960 or later, your full retirement age is 67. And for those of you who are lucky enough to be born from 1955 to 1959, you have a month determiner that is built into your full retirement age. So if you were born in 55, it's 66 and two months. If you were born in 1956, it's 66 and four months. Born in 1957, it's 66 and six months. Born in 1958, it's 66 and 8 months. And then in 1959, 66 and 10 months. Now, you might be wondering why I just read that all to you. And that's because your full retirement age literally is the building block that matters the most when it comes to planning for Social Security. Because your full retirement age is the age where you can receive a full, unreduced Social Security retirement benefit. Now, what do I mean by unreduced? Unreduced means that it's not going to have some taken away because you took it too soon or taken away because you're still working and earning money. So an unreduced Social Security benefit is really what you want to aim for. And your full retirement age is the age where it can no longer get anything taken away because of making too much or because of when you decided to take it. Now, while we're talking about some of these different options with Social Security today, I'm going to go ahead and share some real-world examples about how choosing Social Security is really an individual and unique experience and totally dependent upon your own situation. So, first thing I want to talk about is the ages that you can actually take it. So, you can trigger your Social Security as early as age 62. And for every month that you take your Social Security before your full retirement age, there is going to be a reduction in the amount that you're allowed to get. You can also take it as late as age 70. Now, every month that you wait from your full retirement age until age 70, 
you actually will have an increase in the amount that you're going to get. In fact, for most people from their full retirement age up to age 70, the increase represents about an 8% per year increase, and that's pretty significant. That's not something to sneeze at. That can be some real dollars in your pocket. So let's look at an actual example. Okay, let's assume that at your full retirement age, your Social Security is $1,653. If you take it as early as age 60, the amount that you would get is $1,080. So it would go from $1,653 down to $1,080. Correspondingly, if you waited until you were actually 70 to take it, your value would have increased to $2,345 a month. So the difference between 62 and 70 is pretty significant, going from $1,080 to $2,345. And these are real examples from the Social Security website to illustrate the difference in the age you start. So I don't know about you, but I know that for most people listening, a $1,000 a month difference is significant. It's something that's worth paying attention to. And that's why triggering your Social Security at the right age is so important. Now, one of the things that's interesting about Social Security and why I think it's so darn complex for people is because according to Bankrate, there are actually 567 ways that you can trigger your Social Security if you are in a married couple. There's 567 different possible combinations. No wonder you have people like me doing shows about this because there's a lot of complexity to this. <laughs> so how do you know which one out of those 567 choices is going to be the right one for you? Well, that's probably where you want to get an advisor involved. You probably want to talk to someone to make sure that you're evaluating the different options and that you're looking at everything you need to look at to make sure that what you're doing is right for you. And here's the thing. It really is something that's all about it being right for you. Because what's right for your neighbor might not be the right thing for you and your spouse. Everybody's financial situation is different. So let me give you an example. We had a couple who came in and we had one spouse, the wife, who is younger, and she happened to be the larger wage earner. So throughout their careers, she had significantly out-earned him. And at the time they came in, he was 62 and he had just left his job. He hadn't intended to, he got let go because of situations outside of his control. Their company actually closed their location where they were living and so he was let go at the age of 62. And their question was, does it make sense for us to have him go back to work? Do we need him to go back to work? If he doesn't go back to work, should he, should he trigger his social security? And during the course of the planning, what we found was that the wife who was still working and intended to work for another five to six years, she was making enough money to have them comfortably live on. So they could comfortably live on her income. And so then it became a question of, does it make sense to go ahead and trigger his social security? What they decided to do was to go ahead and take it because him taking his social security gave their family the flexibility to have some extra cash flow and also him to have the freedom and flexibility of his time. 
him taking it at 62 wasn't going to damage anything in the future for her because her social security was already set to be something greater than his. So it made sense in their situation for him to go ahead and trigger that at 62 because it was the right thing for their family. So that's an example of where taking social security at an early age, triggering it as early as possible, could make sense for you. Now, one thing that you have to be aware of if you take Social Security early is that there is what's called an earnings limit. So remember how I said the whole full retirement age was something that was important because you can't have anything reduced. Well, if you do take it early, not only do you have a reduction in the amount for each month that you take it early, but you also have a reduction in the amount of earnings you can make and keep all of your Social Security. So in 2020, the earnings limit is $18,240. What that means is that, that you are earning wages of more than $18,240 and you have triggered your Social Security early, you are going to have to give some of it back. Now let me tell you what, we've seen a couple instances where people got surprised by this they came in and said, what is this social security notice? They're telling me I have to give them money back. It's thousands of dollars. Let me tell you, this is going to be the worst check you ever write in your life is the check to pay back social security because you took it too soon and made too much. Nobody wants to write that check. So if you take your social security early, you cannot make more than this earnings limit without having to pay it back. That's why you hear people say, well, I'm, I'm trying to stop work once I get to this level, or I only want a part-time job where I make so much money. It's kind of counterintuitive when you think about it, but it's because of these social security coordination rules. Now, if you are in a situation where you do have to pay it back, I guess it's not the end of the world because eventually you'll get it back, but it's just a super unfun check to write. So try to avoid that at all costs. One thing that people ask me pretty frequently is, well, what counts towards that? And it is wages. If you have a pension, that doesn't count towards that. If you have investment earnings or earnings from passive income, like rental real estate or things like that, that doesn't count towards that. It's wages earned from work done is what counts towards that limit. And that's really important to keep in mind if you're gonna take your social security early. Congratulations to Mary Stirk for being named three years in a row to the 2020 Forbes list for Best in State Wealth Advisors and Top Women Wealth Advisors. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we're talking about Social Security must-knows. Social Security is one thing that definitely hasn't changed amidst all this craziness that we're going through this year. And so understanding how it plays into your retirement is a really important foundational building block. Now, we talked about taking it early. Now, I want to give you a real-world example of why somebody might want to take it late. All right. In this situation, we had two people who were married. We had one spouse who had not worked for many, many years. She had worked enough to qualify for Social Security, but her benefit was fairly low because she had not worked for about the last 20 years. 
she decided to take her social security at 62 at the earliest that she could get it, even though it was a smaller amount. Now, the working spouse then retired at age 67, but instead of taking his right away at 67, he decided to delay it until age 70. And the main reason was this, it was going to boost the value to something very significant and this particular person had some health issues. Now, when you think about social security and marriage, if you lose your spouse, you also lose the smaller social security check, which means you get to keep the bigger one. And so what they were trying to do was boost the bigger one to the greatest possible number with the assumption that that person who wasn't in the greatest of health probably would pass away at some point in time and they would lose that smaller check. So there wasn't really any merit to them trying to boost the smaller check because they didn't think they'd get both of them for very long. And there was merit to trying to boost the bigger check. So they were going to be able to go up several hundred thousand dollars or several hundred dollars a month each year that they waited. And then that was going to put the surviving spouse, once the, once the higher earner had passed away, that was going to put the surviving spouse in the best possible long-term position with Social Security. So again, what's right for that couple might not be right for you. It depends on a variety of different factors, the numbers, the health conditions, and things like that. Now, when it comes to Social Security and marriage, there's definitely some interesting rules surrounding it. So for instance, if you are married and you are both taking your social security at the full retirement age, you may be eligible for a spousal benefit bump that boosts your, your value up for the lower check up to at least half of what the higher check is. Now, the reason I started out by saying both of you taking it at least at full retirement age is that if one of you takes it early, then the amount of the spousal benefit boost is smaller. So you get the full boost up to at least half if both of you have waited until you are at least full retirement age. The boost is not as big if one of you takes it early. But that's kind of nice to know. In fact, we had one lady that came to one of our seminars and she heard us talking about this and said to herself, you know, both of us waited, but I'm not getting half of his. And she marched on down to the Social Security office. She ended up getting $400 a month of an increase in her monthly amount and she got over $10,000 worth of back pay from what she should have been getting from that spousal benefit. All because she came to one of our seminars and heard us talking about it. Best hour and a half of her good, well-spent time. <laughs> so understand the rules as a married couple. When you go in to trigger your social security, the people that work at the social security office, they're not there to help you figure out strategy. They are there to give you information. And so designing strategy out of the 567 ways you can do this, designing strategy is going to be up to you and your financial advisor. And your strategy, again, is going to be personal and unique to you. So depending on your circumstances, you're probably going to want to find options out from the Social Security office, but then strategize behind the scenes. Now, we talked a little bit about married people. Let's talk about divorced people. If you were married to somebody for at least 10 years and you are now divorced, then when you go to file for Social Security, you could be eligible for that same spousal benefit if both of you retire at full retirement ages. 
Now, when you are claiming this off of a spouse that you're divorced from, it does not harm them, although some of you might wish it did, but it doesn't harm them. It doesn't take away from them. In fact, they probably won't even know that it's happening. And if you've been married to more than one person, well, then you can claim benefits off of more than one spouse. So pick the spouse who has the higher one. You've got choices there. You can't claim it off of multiples, but you can pick the spouse that you want to claim this off of. And I think that that, first of all, is kind of hilarious because some people have definitely been married multiple times for more than 10 years, and you get to pay this, this like roulette game with your spouse's social security earnings. Pick a spouse, whoever had the higher earnings. Uh, and, and maybe, <laughs> quite frankly, this is one of the reasons that the social security system has some solvency problems. However, be aware that if you're divorced and you were married for more than 10 years, you could have this option available. Now, there's another rule connected to marriage that is about when you have lost your spouse. So if you lose your spouse, then the biggest change that I want to mention about that is twofold. Like I mentioned earlier, if you lose your spouse, you lose the smaller social security check. But the other thing that people don't realize is that if you lose your spouse at a young age, the surviving spouse might be able to claim social security as early as age 60, instead of having to wait until 62. So you have to check with Social Security and see what those rules are. Check with them to see how it applies to you. Now, I'm gonna give you one more real world example of something that people don't always think about. And this example was for a single person. This particular person loved her job. She was 67 years old. She was at her full retirement age. And she knew that she wanted to keep working because she felt like it, not because she had to, but because she felt like it. And she knew that she was likely to keep working probably until age 72, maybe even 73, doing a job she had a lot of passion for and a real love for. So we did an evaluation for her and forecasted out what her long-term investment plan and financial situation would look like. If she took her social security, at age 70, delayed it to then, or if she took it at age 67 and reinvested it into something instead of spending it. So she didn't need that extra social security income because she was still working, but we were able to calculate and forecast some what if scenarios saying, well, what if you reinvested this and what if it made even a conservative rate of return of three or 4%, are you better taking it and early and reinvesting it or are you better delaying it till age 70 so you have a bigger check later? And what we found was there was a pretty distinct difference of it benefited her by taking it at her full retirement age and reinvesting it. And what she also liked about that as a single person was if she ended up having a health issue and if she ended up not living, at least she had the accumulated value of the investment to pass on down to her family Whereas if you're single, when she passed away, that check just stops. Nobody's going to continue to get that if you're no longer married or don't have small children. So for her, that was an easy decision to take that money and reinvest it. So again, unique situation, but something that could apply to you if you're in that situation. Okay. 
So we've talked about a variety of ways that Social Security impacts you. We've talked about how the rules haven't changed even during this global pandemic situation that we're going through. And we've talked about the fact that all Social Security decisions really are unique. It's something that you have to ponder through to make the best optimal choice for you. So I hope this has been valuable information as you prepare yourself for your own Social Security journey. And thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can ensure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Insurance offered through Sterk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated. Neither Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated nor its representatives provide tax or legal advice. You should consult a qualified attorney or tax professional to answer your specific questions. Sterk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota, 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555. Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors list includes 10 recipients per state. The award is based on qualitative and quantitative data rating thousands of wealth advisors with a minimum of seven years of experience and weighing factors like revenue trends, assets under management, compliance records, industry experience, and best practices. The word is not based on portfolio performance or client reviews. There is no fee in exchange for rankings. Third-party rankings and recognitions are no guarantee of future investment success and do not ensure that a client or prospective client will experience a higher level of performance or results. These ratings should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client nor are they representative of any one client's evaluation.